Hello and welcome to this week's Mad Axman Lockdown Podcast. It's number 11. We're on a roll. We're used to this. We've got the full gang back together. This is an all-singing, all-dancing, multi-music, two-theme tune, three-theme tune special this week to mark our 11th week of lockdown. We've got the usual painting chat. We've got the usual army list chat about the Fatimids. We ramble through the Napoleonic Wars. We get almost up to the invasion of Egypt. And yet again, Andy's fabulous quiz and Andy's fabulous quiz music returns. So sit back, pick up your paintbrush, give it a rattle around in the tin and enjoy this week's podcast. This means war. Okay, well, welcome to the, I believe, 11th. Is that right, folks? 77 days of lockdown, um, 11 lockdown podcasts, which is slightly frighteningly what we're up to now. And we're back to seven this time. So um, this will stretch over even longer than than the last one, um, depending on how much new stuff we've all done in the last seven days um, of of decent weather and, in theory, relaxing lockdown. So I've got the full set of people here. So without further ado... It's time to go around the screen and, and see who's been painting what this week. So, Andy, what, what have you been painting? In fact, we'll, we'll just Plastic look at your Zoom, background, your, your Zoom background there. And, um, yeah, we, uh, slight weird green screen effect thing. There's, there's a, it's like we're being talked to by Klingon, but that's all good. <laughs> you don't have to speak in Klingon language. No, I, don't think not, that's, um, no, I think a lot of my clients would probably agree with that. Um, well, I've been painting Plastic Irishman from the um, Atlantic. Ah, yes, the, the men and their dogs. Yeah, that's why I sent, I sent you a couple of pictures, and uh, yeah. I actually found them quite easy to paint. Okay. I mean, to be fair, there's not a huge amount of detail on them, you know, because they're not even because they're all barefoot, and um, you know, so there's not can a lot you, of. Can you see their toes and things like that, or is it? Just, oh yes, yes, what, yes. What yes. is the detail on the figures? I'd say it's pretty good, actually. Uh, there's just not a lot of detail to actually put on them, but but yeah, the figures have got the toes are well defined, the hands are well defined, uh, faces are quite well done okay. but one thing what i particularly like about them having done other plastics in before is there's only actual four bits to each one and the left arm is actually welded as part of the main body so you don't right. have to fuck around with that so the only bits you need to stick on are the right arm the head and the shield okay and how, right many torsos, a, a how many different torsos do you get is it um you get, well in each, each, each you've got six different ones okay and each sprue is the same but there's six different Six ones but because on of the wide variety of weapons and styles of weapons and hands and shields and things you can actually make everyone completely different oh right so you've just got an enormous amount of what right arms that comes yeah up right with. arms different types of shields um well, one of my favorite things they've got is actually they've got uh, they've got a small shield for the left hand with a couple of javelins being held in it okay a spare right. javelin okay how are the dogs then? Did the dogs go together all right? Sometimes when you've got fur and things on those plastic, it, the mould lines can be a little bit um, decisive. But no, pretty good. Uh, you get uh, some of them. Some of them you get a bit of a, a distinctive line, but I think you can paint over that fairly easily. I'm more exercised as to what colour to paint the dogs. I'm never quite sure. I've just kind of got a variety yeah. of browns, greys black white if, they, if they're irish wouldn't they be irish wolfhounds don't they have a color or gray no, well, I, uh, I, was, I wanted to take the green but i decided not to what's yeah. the color of the um, a guinness <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> dark with a white head or something like that yeah okay yeah. you can tell they're irish wolfhounds because when people throw javelins they run and fetch them
nice to get that tumbleweed sound effect um, out so early in the podcast. I think, um, which is grand. So has it been? Is it been all Irish this week? Is it um, all Irish? Yeah, I, I, there's a few days I wasn't able to paint for reasons I won't bore you with. So um, I've managed to get twelve figures and four dogs painted, and are now on the third batch of six figures and two dogs. Okay, uh, and then and just remind me again how many are in the pack? Uh, Thirty figures and ten dogs. Which in wow, scientific is a, terms is about four units. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Or if eight, so might even, you might, yeah, I suppose you can't squeeze squeeze two dogs into an eight-man unit to give you four units, is it? You're no, but you can there. you can make a unit out of one man and seven dogs, <laughs> <laughs> but not the other way around. No, no. I think there's an Eddie Izzard sketch that I I used to be able to recite most of about um about when when he was raised by wolves. But we, we probably won't go into that one as well. But there's a thing about having the wolves. They had um, they had four legs. Be- no, he wasn't as fast as the wolves because the wolves had four legs between them. No, no, sorry, they had four legs each because if they had four legs between them, that would be one leg between every five wolves, and they'd not be pulling other wolves on strings. Yeah, it doesn't really work. It's much better when Eddie Izzard does it. Um, it's it's quite an old sketch. Yeah, there's a lot of nodding here, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, that works really well on Zoom. I might edit that out. Um, so, um, 2008 AD background then. Tamsin, um, what, you've been doing 2008 AD all week? No, uh, I've been painting the sci-fi ter- scattered terrain. Okay, so that's not neat. quite as, Not quite an A4 board. But there, so it's various crates, junkyards scatter and computer consoles so this is just and today i've primed today i've got primed for first of the uh, first of the judge dread dread figures so i'll start painting those tomorrow that's amazing discipline to get the terrain done before the figures you know because I, I would have thought you'll be like going figures 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 but tempted to go in for them i started well i started for the terrain and just thought, get it out of the way hmm. and what's your what's your undercoating plan for the judge dread figures what is it Black, dark, grey. Uh, I went with black primer and then centerfold highlight with using white ink through the airbrush. With oh ah okay, white ink through an airbrush. I was yeah. just going to say white ink. I would have thought it's, that would be a bit. It, it's the first time I've actually tried that, and it's pleasantly surprised because normally when you airbrush, sort of if you use white paint for, for it, you get the it gets very speckly. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Very granular, and but with the ink, it's much more fluid. And you don't get that. Okay. That's, Does it a, pick that's up? a tip I picked off, off it, picked up, up from a couple of different YouTube channels and thought I'd try it. And yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Wow. And and white ink doesn't is actually kind of dense enough to sit on top of a black under, undercoat and um, and show out the highlights or does it still seep into the recesses or all the folds of the stuff? Well, because you're brushing it on, so it really only hits the highlights. Okay, but it doesn't run off them, it just sticks to them like, like paint. It sticks to them, like, I pretty much like paint, yeah, because the, okay. the air helps to dry it on its way to the, the figure. Ah, okay. But it's All right, paint. another... Sorry, Peter? Well, you said it sticks to it like paint. It is paint. No, it's ink. But it's ink. I was using white, white, white acrylic ink. It's, it does have acrylic binders like paint does, but because it's got more, I think... Thinned out paint. For use of zinc, it's got a lot more... So I flow, I flow improver in than than paint nor acrylic paint normally does. So paint. <laughs> Look, I think maybe we can do a special podcast on um, paint versus ink. What is it? Possibly yeah. we can string out half an hour. We can have a vote. We can get members of the public involved. 
Yeah. But but then that, that might it's make any record. It's got yeah, whole section on viscosity. Maybe viscosity can get its own theme tune, something like that. We can do all that. So Peter, um, after you so um, construct you and your um, your luxurious hair have so constructively um, interjected. Um, so clearly, you, you this week you failed to, to buy a pair of hair clippers, uh, which is something that's hit the rest of us in, in stages over the last ten weeks. But but I'm, is it still Austrians this week? Cause you missed last week, didn't you? You had um, you had the real world impinged on the podcast. Yeah, real world has been impinging for the last two weeks with the style of work, and um, I'm literally just working alongside now. Um, so Austrians have been going very, very slowly, even though they are white. Okay. So you just slowly potting away. Austrians going slowly heavy... is entirely historical. <coughs> <laughs> so does that mean you've actually bought some new ones? Because you know, if, clearly, that if you're on a keyboard and you're you're working on computer all week, there's always that temptation just to look on another website for a bit. Uh, yes, I happen to have got more. Um, I thought my grenadiers were looking very lonely, so they needed some Hungarian grenadiers, of course. So I've got them on the way as well. So I've got Austrian grenadiers and Hungarian grenadiers because they look so different from each other. <laughs> mm. Well, trousers, mate, are a big difference. Yeah. Well, blue trousers, one. yeah. Well, one was blue, one was white. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you, I suppose if your army's entirely white, that's quite... And collars and trousers are a bit different. Blue mm. trousers are a big different. Collars and cuffs, that's something else entirely. We're back to your luxurious hair again, aren't we? Um, so if... Yeah. So, so how many is is like an accidental Austrian Hungarian grenadier purchase? Then, what does that look oh, like? Or that, dare that's you just not a, it? another couple of units. But because I was buying those, I, they felt lonely, so I had to get some dragoons to go with it. Well, you do have to because you pay for the postage already, so you might as well leverage that 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 investment and just value out a few kilos worth. Well, th then it got to the realms of, well, got to make it viable for the postage. So then I, I had to add on a, a couple of sort of like offices and things that I can use for, you know, incidentals and a couple more Jaegers. And, you know, just to be polite, a couple more Genzers, because, you know, because Eastern Geese are Genzers. I, I just thought you can't have enough of them. Is this all they be? Yeah. That's that just like a couple more. That's that gets quite expensive, doesn't it? <laughs> well, because a few years ago, I did a cavalry corps, um, the fourth cavalry corps in 1812, the uh, German crushes and Polish lancers, and I did them in all they be. And they are beautiful figures, but mm -hmm. I just never try to think about how much ever again. Yeah, that's in the no, uh, no. <laughs> Napoleon didn't be able to, but they're on the way eventually. Was that that we buying up the last of the stock from Fighting Fifteens? Now they know um, we're doing Eureka. I already did or... that. I already okay. them So this moved on to Eureka. So I don't know when they're going to turn up. Oh, you bought them from Australia? No, no, the UK no, Eureka. Eureka Minas UK. Oh, okay. And someone else has got the contract, haven't they? Yeah. Oh. But how much stock they've actually got versus how much they have to make up or whatever, I don't know. But um, because um, I cleared out. Um, uh, the other one uh, cleared out yeah. fighting 15s of all the viable Austrians. There was just some weird revolutionary ones, and I was like, even I'm not that crazy. Um, <laughs> and uh, at the moment, um, but uh, that's why I went onto the Eureka site. But um, I don't know how they're operating at the moment, so I'm just waiting. No, I, to don't, see. I don't, I don't. Ian used to have problems sometimes waiting a long time for Eureka to send him a shipment because they wouldn't just send him little bits and bobs, they'd wait till they'd a decent quantity of stuff and then stick it all mm. in the container. Uh, a container, oh, right. holy moly! I didn't order <laughs> that. Twenty footer. 
Well, I, think, I don't think you wanted a full container, but you know they were not going to. They weren't going to send. You know, wrap it in a pa- plastic in a little parcel and stick. I, it I know AB is slightly larger scale than fifteen, but you know, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know the shipping container dropped off on the house. No, I don't think it's being a full container load, but it was, um, you know, I think, as I understand it, um, you know, I don't want you to be sued by Eureka, but my understanding from recollection is that uh, they would be sending large quantities of figures rather than little bits piecemeal. So to be fair, the same happens with, um, Eureka with UK. Stuff like Glory. Eureka UK, do they carry... A decent amount of stock, or is it a case of? I don't. I don't know. I mean, um, I think it also depends on who's got the right to cast them, and whether they're being cast in the UK or being cast in Australia. I think it's so new that you know now they've stopped because I think Fighting Fifteen's literally just stopped yesterday um, stocking them. I saw something online saying they've closed their web store for a month just to to sort themselves out and get get rid of the bits and pieces they had left to to a second-hand company, which I suspect will be Colonel Bills, because they used to they used to carry the AB stuff for Fighting 15s anyway at shows. But, you know, it's a guess, but it, it might not be might yeah, not be the case, but um, probably them. But then I've got a sneaking suspicion now, you come to mention it, that Nick at North Star will have picked it up, because he seems to pick up you know, nearly everything mm. that is, is sold or distributed uniquely in the UK. Um, so they're normally pretty good at casting and, and making stuff. That's that's starting to get to kind of industrial scale, I believe. So that, that could be the answer. But you didn't yeah, get any indication that, about it. Nick, I, I lost the Brigade Games. Oh, yeah. right. Was that the little tiny sci-fi stuff, Brigade Games? Or no, right? that's Brigade Models. I, Brigade Games is the American company. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> like like um, Old Glory and Old Glory UK or, f- or 15 mil, whatever it is. The um, they, 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 Judea Games or something like that. So, what did Brigade do then, or the other Brigade? Who's brigade, not the one, I brigade think. Games. So, yeah. if you take, if you, well, if you look them up on the web, I, you'll see what they do. They do all all sorts. I so we got I Gangster Era, World War Two, Napoleonics. Wow, we've got all sorts on there. We're all in kind of twenty-eight mil, that kind of scale. It's small. Probably. It once I've, I've had a uh, small. Okay, so they're small, more tw- old so school twenty-five. More, more towards twenty-five and twenty-five mil, or true twenty-eight, rather than sort of the heroic twenty-eight we used to with War okay. Lord Arthur and so. Might fit in well, one carries. Yeah, well, well, North Star carries so much different stuff now. You know, I do keep. Um, there's always something that you can buy on that site, but. Um, but then again, I've not bought him for a while. So yeah, let's... North Star keeps sending various emails with tempting things to go by, and it's just yeah. Uh, I have to put it in sort of like my special folder that I've got set up for if I'm in need of retail therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretending I'm not looking here for a while, but then uh, if I'm just like a little bit irritated, I'll just ah, I'll buy something to make myself so feel better. What you're basically all explaining to me is I may need to get something else. While yeah. waiting for the Eureka ones to come through, I think that's an entirely sensible thing. You don't want to run out of people to paint white, do you? Really? That's no. It. We'll just spray and, and call well, them so done. So, what other white people should I be doing? Not that we want to get into sort of conversation. Well, no, no, well, maybe I think at least half of the Austrian infantry would be like seven to. years war French. So you could do, the, could do the Austrians in ten mil as well. Yeah, but what <laughs> no. do you do after the first half an hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Even you're looking aghast at that idea. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll wait for your order of 10 mil British. Yeah, that's true. Maybe if I buy the 10 mil British, then someone else will be tempted into that one.
Going around the houses then, Adam, looks mm. like um, you've got a decent pint there, the sun's shining. Um, what have you been painting? What have you been drinking? Um, bottle of bass. Still bass. Oh, yes, I remember. Yeah. Off and on, it's come back. It's, um, it's still a decent pint for a pound, a decent sized bottle. Um, painting. Oh, I've just, I painted a load of um, goblins for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you and just started them last week, yeah. And for the first time ever, I went full-on army painter style of the undercoat being a large part of the colouring as well. Because um, okay. they've got a lot of armour, and I undercoated them black and just um, dry-brushed the, um, the armour, a little bit of metal, to make mm. it look like it's disappearing through and washing off. Um, and I've got to say, with the army painter, I've used it off and on for years. And it's okay. If you want to paint your figures really well, that's not the way to do it. But if you want to paint your figures good enough so someone that doesn't play toy soldiers um, thinks they're good, they're good enough. Mm. And the time-saving it gave, I'm just so impressed. Because I could paint them better mm. using another style, but they are more than good enough. Because uh, I don't paint too much during the course of the week because I've got to do other things. But it was just a couple of sessions. And today I put the dull coat on and it took me not very many hours to do it. So I'm actually really pleased that, that they, they just happened. Um, yeah. So I might be doing that more often on my theory of, yeah, let's just get some stuff done. Yeah, the army painter style of painting works really well for the three foot range. You know, paint them, get them on the yeah. table, play with them, enjoy them. If you really want to do a schmick job, different ways. But um, the three foot rule, big fan of. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. This is undercoat them and then dry brush them and then ink them. Yeah, what? So, well, do you do you undercoated black, black though, you're saying? And then I undercoated it black. Dry, dry. Dry, um, dry brush the armour just a little bit on the edges so the silver was peering through. Then just quickly blocked out the other colours. Right. Skin, a little bit of dress, yeah. weapons. And that yeah. was just like not very much of the model. And where it was just blocking it out, bang, 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 that happened really, really quickly. And then I put the slop on, um, which you've got to be a bit careful and sort of like take it off where it's pulling. But um, it was all just so, so quick. Um, yeah. Not a way to teach people to paint well, but for getting stuff out. So I'm doing, um, I'm just doing orders actually now to do a 25 mil early imperial Roman army, and I'm going to use Victrix for that. Oh, so I'm going to go full on, undercoat them gunmetal. Yeah. So that's the armor done. Because well, undercoating that... gunmetal. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. like all the Larica segmentata is sort of like done. Yeah. Um, and then you've just got to block out um, a few other bits. Don't you um, just get the spray, the, the metal spray for that? Yeah, there's a, there's a metal undercoat that yeah. I'm just going to spray it. So it's like you don't have to touch quite a lot of the figure ever again and um, carry, carry quite on from nice that. coverage, those sprays. Sorry? The sprays are quite nice coverage. They'll, yes. I find they work quite well. I mean, for the, um, for the goblins, I just used um, Halford's Black. Right. Um, which was that's kind my favourite. That's definitely my favourite for black undercoat. But Very for di good. Di 
yeah. But for doing sort of like a metal one, yeah, I'll get because I'll I'll get the army painter one because with my Russians I use army painter army green and that's round about the right shade. Actually, th talking of the um, Romans for the camp, what I want to do is a palisade and maybe sort of like a couple of tents or two, 25, 28 mil. Any recommendations for um, it's resin it's or? You know, it's summer, it's barbecue time. My palisaded camp is um, loads of wooden barbecue skewers cut down and Can't just on the palisade. I, do, I, do, I just want to buy something <laughs> red resin that I can like quickly paint. Uh, uh, Boeda? Boeda? Uh, that's, that's 15 mil though, isn't it, Boeda? Yeah, I think, do I think they five. might do 28. I think they do some 28s. They okay. do camps. The camp, I, for train, but I think train bits i think they do 28 okay uh who else possibly adrian's adrian's walls yes you've got adrian's walls you've got to look up them just for the name i never heard of them before but i will i will do that not not hadrian adrian oh adrian ah you see i think it's a bloke from durham or something um you know and he's just called adrian and it's he's got a terrain coming yeah, i also uh, think Ren a, i'm certain i've seen somebody else doing I 28 mil sort of palisade bits recently. I, I think Ren Renendra was. do the tents, don't they, as well? Just a, you know, tents, a plastic yeah. sprue, plastic okay. sprue of tents, which would be quite cheerful. Yeah. I think Bowie did do the tents. Bowie did as well. Because I think I'll give them a look. Have you had a look at some of the, um, you know, the stuff that, uh, like the MDF card ones? Um, it's like I think it's Sarissa and a couple of others. Uh, there's a whole bunch of those that do some amazing MDF stuff in 28 mm. mil as well now. What what name? Yeah, more buildings. So what's it called? Sorry. Sarissa uh, and Precision both do Roman buildings, but I don't know whether they'll do yeah. palisades and tents. Because I'm not sure palisades would work with MDF, but I'll, I'll have a I'll have a look because yeah. yeah, I, I think I do. like. Foreground may do some. Foreground as well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, what yeah. you could search for as well. There's a, a 25 mil skirmish game called Gangs of War, and if you Gangs find of the Rome, company, isn't it? Gangs, sorry, of Gangs of Rome, sorry, yes, and yeah. they've got a bunch of the guys who make those rules. They've partnered up with one of the MDF manufacturers, and yeah, they've made. Oh, okay, yeah, and they've got a quite I, I a think, good range of random Roman boats. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be sort of like in Rome, so it's going to yeah. I think but you get little bits as well, so that could be quite cute. But you could get some good civilians from that range as well if you wanted people lurking around your camp. Because those yeah, are no, footsore, yeah. and footsore okay. stuff's great. Really nice. And that, that could I be good. found you as well for civilians and odd bits. Yeah, yeah. Foundry for casualties as well. If you really want to spend proper money. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm probably going to get some casualties, but um, I was I was sick because do they do a sort of dead barbarians? Because it's bad for morale to have dead Romans lying around. Boundary, yes, boundary definitely will do. Boundary yeah. definitely do. Okay. Yeah, if you want to yeah, pay I'm like boundary prices, use for... casualties as markers. I'm just going to use it sort of like as the enemy lying around looking dead because yeah. dead Romans just doesn't look good, does it? No, it's not, or you it's could right. get some shields as well. You know, I've I've started I started off with figures, particularly for fifteen mil, but I've kind of drifted more towards shields because they're smaller and cheaper. Um, and certainly in twenty eight mil, the figures are quite big. 
and and you're spending quite a lot of money on it. But yeah, they, so they, not a bad thing. the problem with shields and it, they might be smaller and cheaper themselves. But I am going to go crazy when I do the figures. I'll probably use little big man shield transfers. Yeah, which all of a sudden makes them not very cheap at all. True. <laughs> you don't want those on casualty markers as well, do you? Yeah, no, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's almost as expensive as AB. No, no that'd be frightening. Okay. The other thing I was going to say about painting is, mm-hmm. if for anyone listening, you don't have to do a podcast to do this, but talk to friends and tell them what you're intending to paint in the next week. Because my motivation and my actual getting painting done is in the past three or four weeks just shot up loads because hmm. before doing this i was like yeah i really should yeah. hear that oh hang on cats on youtube um whereas now i've said publicly oh yeah i'm gonna try and get this done in the next week you've always got that little kick behind you going go on do some painting so the motivation for getting painting done if you're finding it difficult tell some friends what you're intending to do because then you're a lot more likely to deliver I've I've yeah, found that, that as works. well. I can vouch for it. I yeah. So that's what I my blog. That's how it kept me going a lot. Yeah, no, you've also right. used the Tamsin. You use the challenge a lot of the um, the analog painting competition. That big motivational thing you do over winter, where oh, yeah. a whole bunch of you really get behind is. and churn out tons of lead, <laughs> which is quite impressive but scary for the rest of us. Yeah, it's that, th- it's that thing through um, one of those web forums, isn't it? The, um, okay, which forum is it? Posties. Um, the... uh, no, uh, the Analog Hobbies Painting Challenge was run by, set, uh, started by a Canadian guy, Kurt Campbell, who runs a blog, the, I, the Analog Hobbies. Oh, I've heard of uh, that, He yeah. sets up, up as a painting challenge, right? so it's been through, been through 10 iterations now. Okay. Well, technically, it's so I, on its eleventh because we got with lockdown. He decided to set, set up a new one. I for quarantine challenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I, I think there's a similar thing on the War Games for War Gamers Forum where they do like an annual build or something, but that's more slightly more veering into model making and stuff. But I've, I've seen yeah. that sort of idea before, but but condensing it down to a weekly peer pressure thing on on video is kind of quite effective, isn't it? So. Just, just going around. And Simon, um, so what? Other than the fact that um, we weirdly met each other um, this week in in the real world, but before that, what were you painting? What have you been doing this week? Um, I've been focusing on painting some of my Seven Years War Swedes. Um, so I've now got my first five units of Grenadiers. So guys with cute hats, big rifles, lots of yellow. All the banners are Swedish heavy metal heavy metal bands. Uh, game for good. proper historical uh, accuracy and always good fun and i'm now working my way through the artillery because you always need more guns so um the qrf miniatures paint up uh, quite nice especially for their price point and you have to love um eight figures for two pound fifty um so that, that always gets wow. your motor uh, gets your attention and they ink up well i use the army painter the strong tone in a little um uh, what do you call it bottle. little Drop little it. plastic bottle yeah the, the eyedropper bottle rather than the old uh, smelly tinned one and that comes out pretty good so i'm just churning my way through those so that's that's 31, that's 31 p each isn't it that's was was there a sale on or was that just yeah they had a, a sale on um they got down to it was 20 percent off sale 
and they got down yeah. to 20% off £2.50 for H. I think it was like £2.20 or something like that. Oh, so 2 is the standard price. I think so, yeah. Wow, um, okay. So the compared to, if you compare them, say, to Essex then, or um, AB or Ledger Heroica, they're not up there. But yeah. for £2.50 or whatever it is, you look at it and go, that's not bad. Okay, sorry. They're £2.70 now for a bag of eight. So they're about right. £2.40, £2.50. But even so, less than £3 mm. is still pretty good. And um, pretty. yeah, they've got lots of little bit of details. So once you sand, sand them uh, and just clean them up a bit, the inks go into the cracks quite nicely. So you get a, they, they pop out quite nicely. Cool. What so colour did Swedes Swedish coach in the Seven Years' War? Um, I'm going for um, just blue. Yeah, bl uh, blue jacket, nice bright yellow. There's a little bit of a color in the cuffs and the the, the ribbons or whatever of the of the of the, the coats, and then the tails are all yellow as well, and then um, a goldy mitre hat and um, sort of a buffy color type of trousers and all that. So you basically see bright blue and this bright yellow um, coat. All nice line with a gold hat and a big gun pointing at you. So, um, I'll send some photographs around la uh, later on. Uh, he, um, a few of the Swedish regiments had different facings and underclothes, i.e., white and red, but most were blue and yellow. Yeah, I'm going more because there was a um, there's a, a movie that was made a few years ago about the about the Battle of Poltova um, just before the Seven Years' War, and. Um, it looks quite, it's an some the, there were some reenactors where they actually did some of the, the scenes. I'm not sure if it's for the movie or whatever. And you Is see that a all Russian these, movie? Yeah, the Russian one, yeah. And you yeah, see all the Swedish infantry coming down all in uh, blue and yellow coats, letting rip and all that, and the, the Russians hiding behind the Palisades. It looks quite cool. It's like, I'll paint them. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So, you you because last week you'd done one unit, so now you've yeah. done like four, four more units and you're deep into the, the artillery. So you're putting yep. off the cavalry till later? Yeah, so the cavalry are just being started up now. So I've painted up um, six guns. Uh, I've painted up um, 15 regimental artillery because I needed to um, fix up a few ones i done previously. And I've got all the, the grenadiers. So now it's the artillery crew and then about 10 units of mounted, in, you know, cuirassiers, dragoons, That's a lot. and a few other ones. So... Because you need a few options, and you know, QRF miniatures were open during the, the the lockdown, so you need to support them. Yeah, and how many how many mounted figures in a unit for um for King it's, of the um, Battlefield? Nine. So King, yeah, so King of the Battlefield is uh, each unit is three 30 mil bases with um, three mounted or six infantry, give or take, depending on the the uh, model for the main line units. So you've got about eighty cavalry to paint then. Yeah, <laughs> coming up. Okay. That's but the, good. Well, the army painter style works very well. Yeah. Round, there you go. <laughs> well, I must admit, I've, I've had another week of just just getting over the over the finishing line with all those Hungarian horses, which um, I must admit, again, it's kind of army painter plus sort of technique. I think it's probably the best way to do it um, or describe it because I didn't paint them. I undercoated them white because I just wanted a bit more depth in the the colour. And then did um, all those different horse colours using the coat to arms paint, some of which have run out. And I, I ordered some more this week from, from Essex, which have arrived today, actually, which is, is good. Very, very quick. Um, 
but starting with them, then spending a bit of time getting the the straps and things done on them, which is a remarkable amount of straps on some of those Hungarian horses, just in a fairly limited colour palette. I'm trying to get a lot of green and red onto them and a, a bit of blue to make them look sort of Hungarian-y. And then that thing of, of using dark army painter on the lower part of the horse and light army painter on the top to really get that sort of darkened legs look. And this is, I'm still really chuffed. It's the first time I've ever really worked hard at doing horses in the thick end of 30 years. It, you know, I've got old horses, which are like brown. They're just brown and with black manes and, and I'd never really looked at them, but this, this I'm really, really chuffed with the way that they come out and the mix of colors and things like that. And then finished this weekend. I did the white, um, you know, blazes and the socks and, and the bits and pieces on the noses. And I based them up, did my um, standard or now standard basing of slightly better than my standard basing of, of building up the bases a little bit to lose the metal, the metal base of the figure with some, um, um, wood filler, some some wood filler I've got that I, the colour isn't that great. Then painted them all brown, um, so the edges of the bases were consistent as well, and that the colour was thing. Then put sand on top. Then did some wood stain. I've got some brand new, my third tin actually, my third tin of, of Rustin's wood dye, um, dark oak wood dye, which means I must have got through three hundred milliliters of this stuff before. And and you just kind of get a fairly thick brush and and dip it in the wood dye and then just place it on the dab it almost onto the um the sand that you've glued onto the base it can be dry or it can be a bit damp and the wood dye is kind of a stain and it kind of rushes out from from just where you've dabbed it down and sort of whatever the word is osmosis or something capillary action it just like goes all into the sand and stains the sand a really consistent color much darker color and then two lots of dry brush on this is an enormously complicated way of doing it but but it's just getting them consistent a a pale gray dry brush and then a pale sand dry brushes to finish it off before i then do all the um all the grass and because when you get i don't know if you find it when you get close to doing stuff you want to kind of rush that last bit and and then you make a mess of something so and what i always tend to do is i do the grass and do the static grass on in patches and then i end up varnishing them too quickly and then i look at them in fact i take photographs of them blow them up to full screen size and realize there's little bits of grass stuck all over the bloody things that's got caught yeah everybody's nodding at that one so this time i actually had the self-control to matte varnish with testers the horses before um i actually put the static grass on which is is clearly the sensible way to do it if you don't want the grass stuck in the varnish. So I you know, did some testers spray outside. So I'd actually finished all of the horses for this Hungarian army before I'd finished the riders or, or anything, and I got them all matte varnish. So you know, for a, a couple of days, I was just staring at this kind of almost an A4 sheet of, um, of horses. I think there's about 30 bases of them, a mix of, of twos and threes that I was just really chuffed with. And now I'm slowly finishing the riders, but but at the weekend I got distracted by um, retrofitting and maybe upcycling some of my older medieval figures because looking at the army list, I realized there was some bits and pieces that I just didn't really have um, in, the, in the ready-made army from Essex. So I kind of 
upcycled some some swordsmen that are kind of I've got flail I think they're actually Hussite flail guys and a few dismounted knights there's a unit of heavy infantry swords two units of heavy infantry swordsmen in the Hungarian army that I upcycled by just tarting up the shields and and giving them kind of another go over and then one thing um particularly and this is sort of an ADLG thing and I remember talking to Dan Hazelwood in the states about this that one of the nutty things when you look back at it to DBM were armies where you had to or it was sensible as a game thing to have 20 bases of horde or more and and you look back and you think that's mental why was I painting 20 bases with eight six five seven people per base that their whole function was a game mechanic to so make... like peasants sort of thing rather. peasants yeah but there's a you know there's a mechanic well in, in atlg there's only ever about two or three and yeah. sometimes they don't count to army point but in dbm because mm. it was you know in theory based on history an army that came with a huge rabble would have 20 bases of horde a point each in a 400 point army yeah so you take these because it would boost your army break point and and actually it was saying if you spend 10 percent less on on five percent less on real troops your army break point will be increased by six or something and it was an utterly a game level mechanic yeah but now i've and now i've got like hordes and hordes I think was I've it sponsored like by the game manufacturers the uh, miniature manufacturers yeah. or something I, I had a mate of mine in Australia. He did the Million Man Chinese Army in DBM. So I think yeah. he rolled up with something stupid like 30 or 50 horde elements purely for the principle of, bonk, there's yeah. 50 elements of horde. Your medieval army equates to 47 elements. Have fun. Yeah. And just, just choose for it. Although, what to say in favour of it is some armies did rock up with loads of hordes and dbm gave you a reason for those armies to look more or less as they did and, and i think you know and i think up to a point that's true um and i think even you know if you look at spartacus that army which in age you know has a lot of horde because it but that's i think there's a difference between armies where they were loads of people of very poor quality and they fought versus armies where they had a lot of people who you know, in theory, the army has half a million men, but they never actually engaged in combat in any battle in a meaningful way. They were the crowd who stood at the back and cheered, and then they all ran home when the army was finished. So they don't need to be depicted on table to achieve that. To be honest here, I bought a hundred biblical yeah. horde figures from Lancashire. Lancashire and Games, I 20, yeah. <laughs> and I got 20, because it was, it was only about two quid. Exactly. Um, and I got 20 elements of them sat in a drawer. Yeah. And you can't take that away from me. You no, can't tell me no, that it's all for nothing. You can't take it away from anybody. And I've got exactly the same with these medieval ones that I've put. I can't even, it must, I can't even remember which army it was for. Was it Low Countries or something? So, um, maybe. Tim, and I, so I've got, yeah. You've got a Spartacus army. It says revolting peasants levy impetuous. Four yeah. to 12 units in ADLG. So, have you got a lot of revolting peasants? 
I, I will have when I paint up the Spartacus army, but that's almost the only army with more than two or three of these things. But yeah, but you know, th there used to be loads of them. So I've got 20 or 15 of these things in medieval and they just sat there and I obviously got bored doing them and they're not that good. So, so, but there's three impetuous crusading Christians or something in the Hungarian army that sit near the baggage. And if someone comes and attack, comes to try and eat the baggage, they just lurch at them. So I actually, took some figures of, um i think they they might actually be merleton figures actually merleton peasants how ridiculously expensive is that and i kind of crafted some crosses for them um and made three bases of new peasants with the same basic as my hungarian army carrying crosses and with some religious icons and stuff because i thought they're kind of east european so they're all going to be like icon mad really um and i did also use and this is like wheeling back two or three weeks you know I, we had that discussion about those swiss pipes i tried to make out of plastic didn't really work so this time for the crosses i used the one millimeter plastic thing not the 0.8 and it's way better it's just like that's what it was supposed to be it is kind of bendy and unbreakable but stays in a proper shape so i think the 0.8 i did for the swiss just it's just there's something about that extra 0.2 of a mil that makes those much more robust so so i've got these guys with crosses and the retrofitting of the um of the other sort of swordsmen i've printed out loads of these shields or shield patterns and been kind of faffing around with with digital editing software really cheap free stuff to make little shields that that have been stuck on um onto all these um infantrymen so suddenly what was an old you know 20 plus year old set of blokes with big square shields that i was never quite happy with suddenly i've got brand new shields that i haven't gone to little big man i've just googled for hungarian images and hungarian shields downloaded them rescaled them in in microsoft word <coughs> to be um to be you know exactly the right size or a little bit bigger than the shield glued them on with pva then kind of gloss varnish them to to give them a sort of solid seal and to to lock the colors in um and actually i find the gloss varnish really pings the colors up a bit on um on the prints prints out as well with this with this printer that i've got so suddenly i've i've upcycled a load of troops and and i've then spent a long time doing flags the same way um finding a load of online flags that are free and printing them out and sticking it so i've got a horrible feeling i might have gone too mad and that literally every single person with a spear or a lance in this army so have a flag on it it is this time next week when you find out that color printer ink was actually worth more than the miniatures you look it, it came with the printer we're still at that stage of not having ordered more but um <laughs> but yeah i think with color printer ink you know I'm, when I'm looking cartridge at... runs out, cartridges run out he buys a new printer so that's cheaper than buying two new cartridges it is that's probably true that probably is true but but it's you know the old printer we had was was 20 years old or 15 years old so just the you know the resolution on this new one to print off stuff that is you know 1.2 centimeters by 0.8 so, so you've gone from dot really matrix good. to laser pretty much yeah i don't have the little strips of paper down the side with the holes punched in that you have to rip off and you know it's not green and white across it we're not doing that at the moment but it was almost like that stage before so but but soon there will be a whole load of um of different shields and things like that on on display that um will take away from um, my painting so so i think this week the horses should get 
all their riders finished and then it will just be into the spearmen so so that's been it so um so dave you're last up on the um on the group sorry guys just before you move on just to say if anybody ever needs some biblical horde figures yeah. I've got no <laughs> spare, so yeah. just let well, me know. We because might need to talk, because I do have a thing for Horde. Right. In lockdown, you can ship them to people. So, how many of your mounted figures have you painted as Santa's elves? Yeah, there's quite a few, because, you know, again, going Hungarian, you, you go big on red and green, and they do look a little bit Santa-ish, if, <laughs> um, if they're kind of red. I've tried to avoid the, the big white cuffs and the red hats as well. But um, you know that's that's why there's lots of flags. It's like reindeer flags or something like that. But, but. <laughs> so Dave, Dave, finally, you're you're licking yes. a brush. You're looking through a magnifying glass. What's what's the story this week? Is it Egyptians? Well, is it samurai? Story, the main story is fa- failing to find a pair of hair clippers. Right, <laughs> you this as well. Rod on them on eBay. I have to say, ridiculous. Hmm. I'm still waiting for that. But um, no, I'm I'm painting the Egyptians. From uh, yeah. fighting 15s. So, I'm loving the brush. I'm loving the brush sound effect as well. That's really yeah, good. Exactly. It's for real. For real, man. For real. Oh, exactly. So um, we're doing the infantry, the medium infantry, whether they're impetuous or impacts, whatever they are. So there's going to be eight bases of them done and dusted. One foot commanders looking good. Pleased with them. And we've undercoated the first lot of many bowmen, I believe. Who look quite oh. good. I'm, I'm getting quite good at painting flesh. Okay. Now, a joke right. could be really be had on that one. Well, exactly. Yeah. It, it's it. So I'm, I'm I'm undercoating in white, and then I'm painting the most of the body in flat brown. I'm using, and I'm looking for Tamsin's assistance here. So I'm using a flat brown to sort of do the whole body. Then I'm sort of like doing semi. Oh, I like a highlight color for Egyptians. Uh, well, I'm using this. I'm, I'm doing like. So it's the Vallejo medium flesh tone, which I'm sort of like, not dry. That would be a reasonable choice, yeah. Yeah, over a dark brown, over the flat brown comes out quite uh, well. The medium flesh tone or sunny skin tone either? Sunny skin tone? No, I don't know that one. Because ah. then I'm using flat fresh for a, a tiny bit of a highlight at the end. But they're coming out good. Yeah, uh, I alter, alternative might be a tan yellow, but... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunny but skin tone's quite pale, isn't it? Quite. Yeah, I know. That's that's what I'm thinking about. It's, it's, I mean, but it's only a tiny bit as a real last highlight. Mm. To sort of like just you know put on the shoulder to give it the sort of muscle definition. But yeah, I think got shoulders, cheekbones, noses. Yeah, exactly. Exact. Hundred percent knees, maybe a little bit of knees. But it, this is just. A, I mean, again, this is going to be another process. By the end of this, I'll know how to paint biblical flesh bodies in you know mass on them chariots i've got four of we're still i'm still i've put one slightly together but i'm still taking tim's discussion on that and just wondering whether to how to base them up whether they're going to fit on the base at all but we'll get we'll cross that nile when we get there yeah it's, it's tricky i think that might be something we talked about offline but those the, yeah. the egyptian chariots historically had really wide wheels yes. and the axles were a long way from the cab but if you do that i just found out you end up with saggy chariots um <laughs> and it just doesn't work so unless unless there's somewhere carving off the the actual axle and replacing it with a you know a metal can't you just 
reinforce it underneath because you won't be able to see underneath the chariot. So if you just put a piece of bracing underneath the chariot itself, it's then not relying on the axles because you're never going to look directly underneath it. Yeah, I've thought about Some that. of the companies do that now. Tiny bit of a Zeiston spear, a little leftover to just stick as a prop. But it, I, we'll see. I mean, I've got to put one together first and see what it looks like. But I've got plenty of infantry because I'm going to have to do, I think, you know, I'm going to have eight bases of six swordsmen. And then I've got another two bases of elite medium swordsmen. Then there's about eight to ten bowmen, I think I'm going to do. So there's plenty of figures to do and I'm going to mix them up quite a bit. I'm going to make them so some of the bases you can tell are um, mediocre and some are regular and whatever. So I'm going to have some, and, and also what I did with another army is make it, because there's, I've got five different bags of Egyptian bowmen, whether they're Nubian, unarmored or armored. So you'll be able to see which command is which bowmen as well. Okay. So how are you differentiating the, the, you know, regular ones from the impetuous ones, or is it different troop types? Well, with, with this um, Egyptian, New Kingdom Egyptian, it's basically the army I'm doing it for is going to be eight impact swordsmen. So okay. one commands like six of them and the other one's two, plus it's a couple of heavy foots. Um, but so they, they've got the sort of, you know, the sort of, um, how do you put it? The uh, Bronze Age two-handed uh, yeah that big axe thing weapon. yeah yeah which is a really yeah. nice figure so that you know you could actually say right in this army they're impetuous so i think these figures will do really well for various you know i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm tempted by the oman and city states army <laughs> okay. some and i'm thinking these are going to do really well for that army because no one will be able to tell the difference so do new kingdom egyptian close foot fighters now kind counters um, impact swordsmen then? Yes, because they're kind of like regular. Yeah, no, it's just I remember WRG, those spearmen. They're, they're a troop type that seems to have wandered uh, about. They do be. wander around quite a lot. Yeah, they used to be spear, but now they're a more uh, get in and give you a kicking type troop. But you can, yeah, I mean, definitely. The New Kingdom Army's got a lot of different options. So you can have six sea peoples who are impetuous elite to think and things like that so you know there's a lot of different options in that army so you can i think that's one way of using that army it's going to be interesting because your opponent's not going to know which form you you've bought it in which can sort of compensate for using a lot of medium infantry okay all right and anything else or has it just been 100 percent egyptian then no it's egyptians that's what we're doing that's going to be it for the moment the, the samurai are well and done dusted Scythians are dusted, so the entire 10 weeks of lockdown has been a Scythian army, a samurai army, uh, getting on for this now. So that's one pretty clear. And, and that. a handful of camels somewhere in, in week oh, yeah, seven or something. Camels, the camels are pretty done and dusted. But then that's the Oman city-states army. Uh -huh. So you knew you were doing that before you, before you yeah, even bought the Egyptians? There's method to that. There's, there's, you know, there's a morph in there which I think is going to bring out an army which people don't see and don't use. Yeah. It'll be a bit of a laugh. And are you still tanking away at the Hefesteiner on the beer front? Yeah, still doing that, still doing that. Is there a Chaz as well as a Morph? What? Is there a Chaz as well as a Morph? Yeah, exactly, 100%. There's a Chaz. And on that note, I think that probably wraps up the painting session for this week. This means war.
Right, well, having done the painting section, we're now into the gaming section, the actual shoving lead around. But um, by the looks of it, and, and from our kind of quick chat, this seems to have been a week in which all of us have kind of struggled to to do too much in the actual on-table gaming. But but we're all now starting to look ahead to, to I believe, kind of an, an online competition that starts, I think it actually starts today officially on um, on Tabletop Simulator for ADLG on, on that Facebook group. And then some of the um, the other competitions, we're now, okay, we're into June, but but that's another month, that's another start. Lockdown in the UK is, in theory, being gradually eased. We've got real shops opening in a couple of weeks and things like that. So it's not beyond the Witter Man to, to look into the future and think when competitions may well may well restart as well. Um, so I think I'm just trying to think what's what's likely to be the first the first competition to to come round again um London, when, when things actually open up i think it's going to be the, if we're lucky the first one is um we've got the portugal competition for international travelers 5th and 6th of september please okay. hoping if yeah. not the london gt the 26th and 27th of september that's actually that's that's an interesting shout isn't it that's June, July, the, August, that's four months, isn't it? September yeah. is probably the earliest because um, it was going to be a wash. But the government, I, I'm getting the sense that the government decided that schools are going to go back in September properly. Um, mm. And so this sort of like the, the lockdown, even though it seems to have over now, to be honest, I think officially they're going to be saying September is probably, it'll be by September before things are getting back to normal. Unless we get the second peak, which would be exciting. Yeah. So I get, well, you know, let's epidemic, that well, disease thing kind of slightly aside, because I, I guess we could go down that particular rabbit hole. But but September sort of feels end of September and then into October. Mm-hmm. What's next? We've got, I think, rescheduled yep. campaign, is uh, it? Or? We've got campaign is scheduled for the 17th and 18th of October. Then the week after uh, the 24th and 25th of October is roll call. Roll call rescheduled, yeah. Yep. And then we've got a few weeks off till the 14th and 15th of November. That's warfare. And that's it so far that I'm aware okay. of. As your, as um, your secretary for um, BHGS. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Planning, planning hotel accommodation and things like that. So that's actually, there is some of those that feel like they, they should be doable, doesn't it? Um, whether we'll all be playing in masks or something like that. Cause I think campaign, we were all kind of almost geared up to, to well, roll call we're all starting to be geared up to do it although i think in my list checking um world i've not received that many lists even <laughs> even though it was kind of a few weeks out it wasn't wasn't being done um and then then tabletop simulator this week is in the process of of starting a kind of friendly adlg league um you know i'm i'm signed up um andy we've had a game peter we've had a game i know dave did they ever we'll email up. you back? Because I think I emailed them to say I'm interested. I don't know. I heard anything back. So whether you got a response or not. Yeah, I think they've, they've now the um, the Italian um, guys have set up an online web form that you you put your name in, and um, and then you're able to to volunteer Do you want to, post to play. That on it's the kind of a bit... ADLG forum because uh, otherwise yeah. it's not the easiest thing to see find. It. That's true, actually. Yeah, I'll see if I can. Only um... on Facebook. Yeah, well, it's via Facebook, but I can find um, find that. So here's 
here's here's the actual group there so the um so this is the list of armies which they've already created they've made their ancient bedouins dave you can, is that the one you're looking at ancient bedouin well, or is that a different one Oman and city states but that's that's another story okay so you do carthaginians dave alexander alexander oh i could do my medieval germans one of my favorite armies yeah i think with medieval you can do pretty much anything you know generic late, late medieval um with Alexandrian and Seleucid, you can do any successor thing. Um, Republican Roman, with a bit of a squint, you can do any of the early Romans as well. Um, Romans and then Romans. All, the bar- all the barbarians with Gauls, Spanish, and, and Dacians, I think they're the same thing. I could so practice my campaign army with the, the Gauls. No, that's, that could be it. That definitely could be it. And um, the Germans coming in as well. So here's the, um, the tabletop friendly league. So, um, so it's just sign in um, on... Let's just see. Open this this extra site here. Um, so you sign in. You just put your details. It prompts in. you for um, a name on an AGLG website. I'm not sure what that is. No, that's your um, player number, isn't it? I think so your international you, number, Andy. Yeah. Oh, looking for a number. Oh. Yeah, your international number. So you are um, a name, not a number. Yeah, you put your name in, um, email address, which country you're from, and then. Um, your player number and then you can start to arrange friendly games and i think they well they have set it up like we used to do our club competition which is anyone can play anybody and the best you know the best handful of results count um and i think first first month starts now and they're using the those early lists up to the up to one two five up to one two five so just before the dark ages so so realistically anything you can cobble together out of that and um, I think definitely, I think we've actually got some chillier, wetter weather coming in this weekend. So it might, um, it might mean that we all get more, more gaming time. Um, I think Marcelo was just, I think someone's just put ancient Germans up as well. Okay. Yeah. Germans are in there as well. Yes. That's been really You, you can really do a lot of different armies with ours. Yeah. Well, look at those um, Dacians and the Barbarians. It's grand. For those of us who used to use Facebook. Yeah, that's a good point actually I, i'll copy something over onto the adlg forum then and um, oh. and see what people can do so has Andy, everybody got Andy, I'll, I'll give you that game why owe you <laughs> could be it. Um, so has everybody here got tabletop simulator yet is that um i'm not, just yeah. buying it right now <laughs> just buying it as we speak i'll play andy first then i'll play you okay well, we'll set up some We'll set up some games then and um, and get that sorted. I think. I'm amazed you didn't have it already, Simon. It's been one of those things of I haven't had the brain power to deal with it. So they haven't done any feudal ones though, so you can't do the sort of impetuous Norman knights type thing. I think get, maybe give them um, get, give them another month if the first yeah. month of this um, this thing is classical. Medieval German army and rename a knight as um, impetuous knight, then it's pretty obvious what it is. Actually, that's true. If there's some unarmoured guys, unarmoured horses, you could probably cobble together an army yourself because yeah. most of those are I, just I was looking at that and I couldn't really find anything that repurposed as well. But you just rename them and when you roll over the fi- uh, on the table, you can see that it's not... Because you, when you rename them, it, it tells you what they are. It'll say, impetuous knights. I know, but I want them to look good as well. Yeah, I agree. They, I want them to look stylish when I stomp your army down. I Peter... I but think you, but you, can, you, can, you can make them look golden. Yeah, yeah. You, can <laughs> you can actually. You can change the shades on it. But I think you can actually copy them from Tim's Mad Axeman 
wiki page you can actually take pictures of figures and put them on top of the toys really oh right well that's that's a level of technology that i've not yet managed to um yeah even i haven't got that geeky yet i I could see some fun of you know those medieval pikemen look like lunch necks don't ask any questions (laughs) (laughs) that could be anything couldn't it all right well maybe that's our objective then for 18th century austrians Mm. yes 18th century austrians or swedes and let's try and get on to um get onto that and play some games against both each other and some um, some random strangers from around the world. Uh, we'll have a virtual world, but with um, with less drinking and, and less swimming pools involved. Yeah, how's how this for an idea? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's this less uh, drinking thing? Less? Okay. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Sorry, more back. drinking, more drinking, more how less social you? drinking, less socially yeah. integrated drinking. I just, I just have an idea. You know when we pick an army list at the end of the week and we talk about it next week? What about getting the two players, if they've got the time, to fight each other using those lists on tabletop simulator. That's but then, but we only pick one list though, don't we? Yeah. So for example, you you, you have to go on Fatimid. So in theory, what you do is you choose your Fatimid list. She uses hers. You talk about it next week. But in the meantime, you have a battle between you to see how it goes. Okay, that's it. <laughs> that's adding a layer of complexity. And there also isn't any Fatimid troops. But but if, maybe if we pick one of the um, one of the earlier lists that's by accident out of um. Out of our random.org. Maybe that is an idea. We could actually play the real game online. Yeah, that would be an extra extra digital online real world integration malarkey complicated. Match, thing. Live. match of the day or Dream match of the live. week or something. It sounds like we'd match end of the up day. With, we could end up with the game tuning. It's all good. I think that's a very good um, that's a very good moment to um, to look forward and move into the list the list comparison bit, which I think is myself and um, Tamsin both looking at um, Fatimid Egyptian. These this slightly odd um, one of the many Arab lists that is is frustratingly irritatingly not quite as obviously good as some of the other ones, despite having loads of good bits in it i think was the way i found it yeah that was how i found it too yeah you just go what am i what does this list bring that you know you you would pick another one because it just does more stuff but but this one but you know in let's go um let's jump straight into it and um so tamsin i think this is your list um do you want to talk us through it and i'll kind of yeah sit back and let everybody else ask the questions yeah, I think looking from all the, all the sort of discussions over previous weeks, I, I went for a very strong, one very strong cavalry wing that will be for attack, turn a flank and then hopefully roll over. Another weaker cavalry wing to, I start, I, to hold them up on one flank and an infantry centre. And... I was looking at the list, Sunrise. Yes, you don't have elite shooty impact cavalry, heavy cavalry. So you need to do the best with what there is. And you're limited by, in the Fatimid list, you're limited by how many you, of the cavalry, heavy cavalry you can make elite. So one wing had the Fatimid cavalry. So you've got four Mamluks, heavy cavalry bow with two Syrian Lancers and two Turkoman Light Cavalry Bow. I did actually, I might have actually put that, thinking about it, I might have gone, potentially, if I changed it, that wing, I might go with two Mamluks and four Syrians. 
but that's how it comes in. Comes in, it's really good because I think if you've got the terrain down one side of the table, yeah. you can use your second command with your bowmen just to, to hold a piece of terrain. You've got five infantry all shooting, so that's a really significant amount there. You've got a competent general who can move the light cavalry impact on his own. Yeah. And then you've got a horde of cavalry, which are all elite, which are going to play the game in the centre of the table. So I think that really, I like that army. Yeah, it was, I think, so, going, I mean, going on, um, because of one, one wing, Fatimid cavalry, the other wing, I took the Syrian ally. So I could maximise the elite because if you go if you're going with all cavalry on a wing you are, you want to make them elite just so that it will count admittedly it reduces the army the army size but still got 20 I mean, 20 units so it's not too bad good initiative good initiative yeah i did that with light cavalry i for the centre i for the infantry centre i added two bedouin light cavalry impact so because I don't need light cavalry skirm infantry light skirmish because I've got so many bowmen anyway. But I've light cavalry impact can either can either take out take out enemy light infantry or reinforce act as reinforcements on one or other of the cavalry wings. Oh, that's interesting, actually. That's um, yeah, two wings. That's a lot of elite troops on elite mounted on both wings. There's there's yeah. what nine. Yeah, nine elite heavy cavalry there, which is immense, isn't it? That's um, that's really serious amounts of stuff. Okay, yeah. well, I, I'd be inclined, I think, to swap out one of your Mamelukes for a Syrian uh, lancer on the um, heavy wing because I just don't think yeah, I don't think two Syrian lancers is is big enough, not punchy enough. I don't. Yeah, think. I was, that was that was my concern. I was either either changing it to either doing doing three and three. Of the Mamluks and Syrian lancers, or the other other bit was going to Mamluks for Syrian lancers. But well, what's what's the role of that thing? Is it going to be shooting or, or, or hitting? Because I'm not convinced that heavy cavalry bow elite actually do huge amount of damage, particularly if there's foot uh, foot mm. foot guys with bows around. It depends. I mean, with all the Arab lists. The danger, you don't see a lot of Arab lists because the danger is they're going to be fighting knights, whether it's crusader knights, and knights will always tend to swamp. But you know, if it's played in period and the knights aren't heavy armoured knights, then the Mamluks will more often than not hit the knights in shooting. So it depends on the shooting, and it and you know, I, I, I think. The Arab lists suffer in ADLG because they don't have quite as much hitting power as the opponents they come across. You know, so we went to a competition in Spain, the one we went to, which was Cross and Crescent, and it was all Byzantine armies and, um, you know, for another word, Frankish armies, knight armies, and very few Arab armies because the Arabs tend to suffer with the knights. Uh, admittedly, knights... I knights as an opponent are my main concern, yes. uh, but I going with elite heavy cavalry helps mitigate that to a degree. Yeah, it's, it's medium knights. You've still got, well, as we say, um, nine then elite heavy cavalry. Shoot, That's a lot. You need to have a lot of shooting to deal with medium yeah. knights. And the I think it depends on the thing because if you can bring heavy knights, who's going to bring medium knights to a heavy knight fight? 
Uh, well, I think that's one of the implicit no, like, assumptions about this. You know, we, we have to work on the assumption that it's in a, a sensible team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'd quite happily bring a load of medium nights to this. Um, because the, the problem is you're going to have only so far, because it's only heavy cavalry bow and not impact. The heavy cavalry bows suffer when it's up against knights or anything of that nature. Because if you don't get the hits in, you're running. And if you do get the hits in, you can't then follow through and use the impact. You've got these lancers, but that's two of them. I'd happily take on this. Um, I'd have taken maybe the late Crusader allies instead of the Syrian allies because you're almost doubling down on what you've got before. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen Tim's list yet. <laughs> I, I think yeah. one other thing I would have done differently, if the um, third, the lighter mounted command, if that was going to be your occasional skirmish command, skirmish out a wing, if it's outnumbered, um, the lancers can't evade. So having the skirmishy yeah. wing of all skirmish evade capable troops might have been more useful than putting the... Uh, the Lancers and the Impact all in one command might have been handy because the Syrian Lancers, if you get them forward, they're kind of there. Yeah, I, I, I t typically be holding holding that wing back. Mm -hmm. uh, as an allied wing, any, uh, in any case, they're going to be... I, they, might be they, might roll, they might roll unreliable. So they might come onto them, yeah. So it might be well. So you just make sure that like my Turkmen's are out front, as far as as far as they can go. I trick my keep the lancers back until you've delayed until you've until your shooty cavalry have done some some damage. Yeah, but you have attempted that wing has only got three shooty cavalry, of which only one is light. So you know that's not going to hold much back for very long. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, it, you know, it doesn't don't slow them down. I slow slow them down by just by being there. I think with this army, you're using the medium infantry, hopefully with the terrain to hold one side of the table. Yeah. Then you're using the Mamluks with the brilliant general to come forward, pin, shoot, hopefully drop some opponents' cavalry down, damage way. The ally is you know which you're going to position so the opponent has to make it reliable. That's that's just going to crash in, and I I think the Syrian lancers. I mean, one of them I'd have that as the included general, and I go right. That's yeah. going to crash in and hope hopefully do some damage. And if it doesn't, oh right, well, never mind. I like I like having one included general with some impact cavalry and things like nice. This means war. So over to my list then. Um, it's got a similar, similar sort of feel to it. It's got all the same elements, but in a in a different in a different mix. Um, I think with with this one um, again, I've I've again put the bowmen and the the abid together, but I kind of see them very much not necessarily as a rough terrain force. Um, so I've got two abid and two Armenian bowmen. I kind of see them supporting a slightly cheaper um mounted thing i see them working very closely with the mounted possibly a bit more on a flank and and this is an army that doesn't really have 
an infantry centre. So, so two of the mixed spearmen, two elite heavy cavalry bow. I know they're not Andy's favourite troop type, but I just like them being... I, I always find the impact ones I'm happier with ordinary because if they win an impact, they win an impact and they win big. Um, and the heavy cavalry bow are the ones that tough it out and they shoot and they fight and they keep going. So, so I've still got eight in that first command, but it's just I've squished all the infantry and the heavy cavalry bow to operate together with a brilliant general in that one. Um, I think Dave's idea of the competent included um, general in, in this central command I'm a big fan of medium cavalry impact. I, I just think they're quite good value in a wide, um, big cavalry command. You can, you know, because of the impact, they'll they'll go in and be okay against most things. Um, on a flank, they're super good. One of my, my favorite troop types, which is much cheaper, is mediocre medium cavalry impact, which are super cheap and you can get just buckets of them and they, they do get around people's flanks. Um, so this is a, again, an, a similar-ish command. Um, three impact cavalry, one heavy, two medium. Really, Mamluks in this one, and a, a light cavalry, um, a light cavalry as well, to with, with impact to make that a faster command. And then again, a very similar command to um, to Tamsin's on on the end, um, but this one is all shooting. So it's two normal Mamluks, ordinary two elite Mamluks um, and then a Turkoman um, elite. So you've got a kind of holding command, which has got four, four shooters and a, and a light horse, four heavy cavalry shooters and a light horse of which there's a chunk of um, that one. You've got a more punchy one with three Lancers, but they are a little bit lightweight, two of them medium and a couple of Mamluks and, and the Bedouin. And then that command at the start, which has got blocks of four. So four cavalry, five cavalry, four cavalry, <clears throat> and then using the bow bow as kind of a support piece um, rather than lumping them all in one command. So it's it's kind of using the command points slightly differently to to get to create, particularly with that first command, one of these commands that does two different things yeah. um, rather than one which does so, one different thing. How do you think this would get on against either say Normans in Sicily with a horde of medium knights coming at them or someone like Gaznavid, which is another popular list. Well, I, I think Normans in Sicily, you are trying to get a very, a very, very open table. Um, and you are really, you know, you're looking at the four medium foot is the only thing that isn't super mobile. And I think you're almost, accepting that those four medium foot are, are ultimately in trouble um, and maybe you try and use the medium spearmen to in fact I, I think I had a game at the world's last year in Italy against a it was more of a heavy medieval army with with a very similar army to this and I tried using the abid to kind of if you can tempt the knights to charge the abid um, because they will go down it then buys you time for the rest of those cavalry to get around the flank of the knights, but you've got to have real huge discipline <clears throat> and not to try and take the knights on frontally. You've really, really got to peg it for the wings um, and the flanks and try and try and get a completely open table such that the knights are, you know, how, how many is a lot of knights? Eight, nine, ten maybe? But that's still only a, a third of the table covered and you're trying to, to just 
use it as a Mongol army with with trying to move those um, those Abid as quickly as they can to try and pick on the, the light horse. So, you know, it is tough against knights. You're playing it as a Mongol army and you've got this, this unfortunate anchor of four medium foot that stops you being pure play, completely fly around, you know, the table Mongol. Um, I think Gaznavid, you are again doing that sort of self-discipline thing of, of trying to avoid the Death Stars because once the you know the Death Star part of the Gaznavid is a lot of their points, mm. and then the rest of it is not is not going to be blocks of five, four or five heavy cavalry. Um, so you're trying to pick on the heavy cavalry and possibly <laughs> feed the bowmen um, to the Death Star, or, or just try and sit back and have the discipline not to take it on. And I think sometimes with with nineteen the, as well, you just have yeah. to avoid the Death Star and pick off. You know, when, when Inyaki uses the Gaznavid, he's incredibly disciplined that he cannot lose any of his cavalry supporting it. Because then his army is, if he loses two of the supporting cavalry, his army is in trouble. So if you just entertain the Death Star, you know, just even offer your camp to the Death Star and then go after the rest of his army, you can beat it. That's, that's how you have to beat it. And I think sometimes with, with armies like this, if if you've got literally nothing that can take on the enemy's best, you know, elephants or infantry or strike foot, you haven't got a chance of doing it here, which forces you to avoid him. You know, I, I always used to fall into the trap of going, okay, that's their best troops. These are my best troops. Let's have a go. Yes. Um, but this, you've, you've actually got nothing you can put up against that. So So you are absolutely forced into to playing the game as a Mongol army and using those those Abid to support the cavalry um, See, and just try and avoid other stuff. I, I played Normans in Sicily at Worlds and took on something like this and I had 12 knights bearing down on him by end of turn two. Yeah. And it went very nicely. So that's the problem. Unless, it, unless you get the terrain um, you, or the lack of it, it's really... Uh, and you're a player that can actually get up to the wings, you're going to get pinned and pinned very quickly. I, I, I like some of the Arab stuff. I've painted it up. It's almost like you've almost got to double down. And I yep. think the medium stuff is almost like a distraction. It's go all horse, as you say, and use that as a, almost like cloud technique with um, you know a whole bunch of uh, the lights. You can go heavy with the light cavalry, uh, javelin, for example. But it's, it's a hard one to play because it's also having the command points to uh, manoeuvre the troops around. I think, to be fair to Tim and Tamsin, for the question, how would you deal with X, Y, and Z? The honest answer is, I wouldn't choose Fatimid Egyptian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in ADLG, yeah. in a, even in a themes, you just don't... It's, 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 one, it's one of the only weaknesses I've found in ADLG, that the Arab armies really do suffer. Because yeah, I, a, the scissors, paper, stone of fighting the Frankish Western troops is a, is a real problem for them. I think it's this particular list, where you have to have the medium spear and bow, I think it's this is even more shackled than perhaps other Arab armies. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think I think that's it. Having four, you know, the two bowmen in this slightly later period and the early ones, is it's just too many. 
really. I think two Abbeys you can live with. Um, even if those other two Armenian bowmen were two heavy infantry spearmen, that's a little anchor that can can sit there and, and have some stodge. But, but two bowmen and two mixed bowmen is, is just yeah. starting to be quite a lot, um, really. But I think for some reason, I did toy with it. I don't know, Tamsin, you looked at this, about whether there's actually a lot of, you know, impetuous and impact medium foot in this army. Um, and I kind of thought, is there an earlier version that's kind of a quasi, you know, comedy Roman thing with loads of auxilia, but, and, and using the cavalry as support, but. Did, did just someone try that at Worlds? Things. Just have a, a load of medium infantry to overwhelm them? I, I don't know, not somebody I played, but it, it's just a different way of doing it. You know, I, I've, part of me was just writing this list thinking am I trying to make a better Arab list with something that's not as good as that when actually what this list does well is hordes of impact medium foot and day lama and the rest of it and you might as well just go go big on that and try and surprise someone in terrain um but I did actually otherwise, about, the, about the Sudanese medium swordsman yeah also the either was it the Saruria phalanx, yeah. the heavy spearman? If, if you're fighting a competition in the... I mean, we, we played at Derby one year and it was quite tightly themed. So the Arab armies were viable and there weren't so many of the medium knights around. And I took a, a, a Dial Army army and it worked wonders. It was fantastic fun. Because you're combining the Mamluks with very quick moving infantry. So you can go forward and pin troops with the Mamluks, who can then evade, but then you get round behind troops with the medium infantry. But again, you, you can't, you, you know, if, if the knights are around, it's a real problem. Yeah, I suppose if you go the slightly earlier one, then you don't need the two Armenian bowmen, but you lose, you lose the Turkoman light cavalry, and you lose the medium, the light cavalry impact, and um, you swap them out with some light cavalry Ooh. javelin. You also lose, you lose the medium cavalry impact. The allies. Yeah, neither of you liked well. the Crusader allies then. No, I, I just thought it was going to be too expensive. I like it. It was just going to be too expensive to get not enough knights. and It would change the army away from being a kind of quasi-Mongol army. I just thought, you know, maybe if we're talking about in this whole thing, if you're going to do it, go big. Maybe there is an argument. Maybe I've tried too hard to get in medium cavalry impact just because I've got some really nice figures for them. <laughs> I like using them, but but they're not mediocre. And, and that does make them a bit expensive for their cost. Um, I mean, you could you could have a fun, crazy army with this. You know, as uh, Townsend is saying, you have the Sudanese warriors, medium swordsmen, impetuous, and they're just going to go run yeah. forward and spoil anybody's day. Stick some light infantry javelin in front of them to take any hits. Yeah. with shooting and get them stuck in if anyone's got any infantry they're going to go storming through so especially in period there's a lot of people who are going to have spearmen for example as a sort of a sop to cavalry and you just have them storming forward as quickly as possible um and, and the day lama know. as well a couple of day lama you've got a pretty pokey infantry uh, force to hit someone else's spearmen I, I wouldn't bother with the day lama they're, they're very expensive i just have that the medium sword in yeah. on the Mamluks, not elite even, to pin, shoot and entertain and evade any enemy cavalry and just go with a big infantry command to wallop into any en enemy um, infantry. 
and then yeah, so a lot of people have a few spearmen in this period don't they yes yeah medium so, sport swords so two-handers yeah. with mace that's always good for a laugh yeah so if, we, if you're um, staying in France, the French love to go with the Crusader army, even with uh, Richard and Leonhardt as a strategist, and they like to have a big, in, a ca big one big cavalry command and then a big infantry command. And you can Sorry, Dave, can you just do your French accent again, please? <laughs> Richard de Leonhardt. That is rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Pierre I think we're almost there. All right. Well, I think um, we've we've kind of almost invented a new version of this, and I think we, you know, part of the joy of this is that this is picking slightly problematic lists, um, and and we've all agreed that this is slightly problematic. But I think we're at that point at which to go round the um, the window of people and um, and say, you know, which of these two um, slightly shackled lists for the post ten. We're not going to have a tie this week. We're not going to have a tie this week. Um, so if I um. If I start down the top, so so Andy, um, of these two lists, that that one's mine, and then then this one's Tamsin's. Which one would you vote for on this one? I think Tamsin's. I think it's better balanced. I I think the infantry is an accident waiting to happen. So the less of it you've got, the better, really. Okay, right, nice and clean. Dave, what do you think? Uh, Tamsin's because his verse, her first version was illegal. <laughs> but assuming my version was legal, what, what would you oh, okay. think then? Yours is now legal, so Tamsin's anyway, because I think you can tie down one wing with the medium foot. There's a lot of bowmen in that medium foot command. As long as you've got the terrain, that can hold it down and give the other room, other two commands manoeuvre room and time to get stuck in. Okay. Um, Adam, what about you? Um, oh, I don't know. I've had a couple of bottles of beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, which one, one do I have... which one would I have to think less while I was using it Tamsin's <laughs> <laughs> I think if that's the criteria that may be the answer it's it's each command does what it does doesn't it okay yeah Tamsin's then brilliant all right Simon over to you for me I'd go um Tamsin's list as well Ooh, it's a what um, it's a what what <laughs> <laughs> For me, I like the the aggressiveness of initiative four. So you could choose to either defend in train to annoy someone if you wanted to, like you go um, get the wrong type of train for the other, your opponent, or um, you could then be on their, this on the table in turn one. So that is quite nice. And the fact that you know there's quite a lot of impact and a lot of elite, you're going to get a result. There's going to be no drawing. So one way or the other, you're going to be in the pub in about an hour. <laughs> that makes, that makes sense. And then, then, it's good to me. And Peter, and Peter, other than um, your choice of I would take something with a load of nights, which isn't allowed, <laughs> which, what do you think? So can I just look at your now legal list? Yeah, this one. Let's look at this one now. Right. You see, I am leading towards this because uh, Tamsin one, I could actually catch it out quite, you know, I, I'd be looking to catch out as uh, I think Adam and a couple others were saying about the uh, heavy cavalry you know you've got some really nice heavy cavalry uh, elite impact mixed in with a bow in Tamsin's and I think they could get caught out with this one you've got a bit more of a mix with one unit which is basically the run shoot and evade which I quite like and I've used quite nicely just to tie down an opposition 
and I like the mix in the first one. Uh, now it's legal that you the bowman and the spearman can actually support each other going up. And if anyone wants to just straight try and charge the bowman, like medium foot or anything else, you've got the cavalry to then go in and hit there. So I've seen that used effectively by better people than me. So I'd probably go for that one because it's got the variety. I'm just not sure of the mix of the middle command. I'd probably change it a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I think um, talking about it, I'm, I'm leaning towards Tanzans myself as well, but I'm not allowed to vote. Um, so I think that's um, that's a comprehensive four to one for um, for Tanzans list there. This means war. Okay, then, so before we wrap that one up then for next week um simon you're the computer king the keys something's happening so could you tell us what random.org is throwing us list wise next week please hold caller the number is whoops list 86 what oh, is that 86 Late Imperial Roman. Oh, oh yes. Oh, it's a classic. It's yeah, a proper. You, you, we've got to go some Romans, don't we? Late Imperial, the proper square shields and the rest of it. Minted oh, Caesar. We might even be able to the Roman list. That's for sure. So, so they on the oval shields, then, rather than rectangle. Yeah, I agree. Oval. They got oval shields, yeah. Oh, kind, fine. Over, overly squarey ones. A bit of half and half. Okay, so does anybody want to volunteer for this one? Anybody got this burning a hole in their um, Roman pocket? I think I won Adam, a competition. Adam, Adam you're periods. painting it up as we speak, almost. So I think you have to be um, dragooned into doing this one. Um, yeah, because yeah, I have actually... painting up some Romans right now. Yeah. Um, and Andy, I guess you just spent. Oh, you you spent lots of slightly dark age barbarians. How about an Andy against Adam face off then? Yeah, right. What well, me? Happy. You're telling us we're in AA. Yep, AA. Exactly. We have an, an AA, AA, an AA uh, Roman face-off for next so week. So it's I would I would quite happily do the late Romans, but has anyone not had a go yet? Me. Everybody's had a go. I mean, oh, it's just Anthony. Sorry, you're on again. Okay, yeah, we're round again. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you posted photographs of my um, Legio Heroica figures to give you inspiration, or how not to do them. Yeah. No, they're really really good. So we're now into the um, the second week. It's it's managed to live again. It returns the um, the teaching Timmy about Napoleon um, theme tune and the teaching Timmy about Napoleon concept as well. As we go into our special learning about the Napoleonic Wars new section. <laughs> Good to have two different theme tunes, isn't it? Um, as well as the main theme tunes, that's that's three different bits of music that we're chugging along. If we add any more features, um, we'll we'll end up with more music than, than nonsense chatter, really. So, but the music but, is so good, it's well worthwhile. It rocks out, doesn't it? I'm sure people are dancing around their paintbrush pots or something like that, even as we speak. So, so I think last week we'd done. If I'm trying to remember my my newfound educational expertise and knowledge of the Napoleonic Wars, so. People had had their heads cut off. Um, lots of royal people were gone. And in a spirit of phenomenal 
um, egalitarian fervor, this army of, of normal people, because all the posh people were riding cavalry or something, had sprung into life um, and become egalitarian about the way it actually appointed soldiers, which was a radical new development for everybody. The rest of Europe, which was about a million different countries at the time, had thought, that must be a shambles, let's have a bit of it. Um, they'd all piled in. The, um, the French had surprised everybody by being very, very effective through the use of the word egalitarian yet again, um, if I'm wishing to be repetitive, and started kind of giving everybody a bit of a battering. And, and they were on the front foot. Some little bloke um, had been promoted from artillery captain. And then the English had decided that because this was all going so well for everybody else in, in Europe being beaten roundly by the French when they thought it was going to be a walkover, they would try and steal the French Navy in Toulon um, and landed there and were getting a bit of a bloody nose, I think, um, partly because it was sort of near northern Italy. Is that is that a summary of last week's episode? What, what um, year are we up to? Kind of, yeah. Well, um, today's the 1st of June, which is the anniversary of a battle, surprisingly called the glorious 1st of June. And if you're the Royal Navy, you reckon it was a big victory because they captured a number of French ships. But I is reckon the, the French... Toulon thing? Uh, is this the Toulon thing? No, different. No, this was afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're skipping I, over the Toulon thing. Yeah. yeah Toulon right. That was a minor incident. Yeah. Minor incident. Okay. Right. Okay. So um, France, the, the harvest failed. So they, they had to buy, buy a whole load of grain from America. And there was this uh, convoy of 300 ships carrying grain to France. And if the British intercepted it, France would probably starve and there'd be riots and it would all go tits up. But the Royal French Navy it, got Dave, in the Dave, way. Is there, a French, is there a French version of that? Could you do? I have heard, say, I've never heard of this in my entire life. Carry on. No, I, we, I was just expecting you to go tits up in a French accent. Just no, to no, I haven't got a clue about this. This is, all, this is all as much news to me as it is. Okay. It's so a naval expression. We've changed, we've changed from a war fighting thing to kind of an agrario economic um, naval blockade game right okay yeah so basically the the french navy took a battering and lost a few ships but the convoy got through to france and the revolution continued so arguably even though the british won the battle they failed to stop the revolution when they had a good chance anyway moving on because there's loads of stuff we could talk about in 1796 napoleon's made commander in italy and the Italian, french the army in italy okay so the french are fighting he's everywhere in he's every he's in italy um, just because, and, and they're, but they're everywhere else as well. Yeah, they're fighting the Piedmontese and the Austrians. The Austrians are also got a main army uh, north of Switzerland fighting in Germany um, kind of area. They're, they're all painted in white. They're all wearing white uniforms even at this stage. Indeed, yeah, and, and silly helmets. Right. Yeah. And the French are eating a lot of bread because they've got a lot of grain. They're not silly helmets. They are cool helmets. They're in helmets at this time. Austrians are, yeah. They've got cool helmets yeah. with sort of like crest thing going on. It's cool. What, like, like the pickle help thing? Is no, that, like the Keystone Cap, the Keystone Cap's firemen, basically, I think. Um, okay. But anyway, the, um, so Napoleon's got this army, uh, which has not been paid, not been properly led. They're all a bit packed off. And he basically does an inspirational speech and says, follow me, guys, I'll make you all rich and famous. And they do. And he manages to completely uh, beat the Piedmontese and over the course of about a year, he chases the Austrians off and eventually is marching was, on. Was, um, 
So was beating the Piedmontese like a big achievement? Because, you know, I'm not, my limited, my limited military knowledge, I don't remember them figuring massively. With the in total lack of troops he had, yes. And also they had the terrain. He was, he was hemmed in in a very favourable face for fighting. And they had forts and he was fighting basically along some narrow paths and basically uh, had a sort of storm force of troops where he'd roll the cannons up close, blow the forts away to get through. He crosses okay. the Alps like Hannibal and has a his famous fainting of him by David. But that was later, Dave. I oh, was that a different With, one. Yeah. yeah. Can I just check beating the Piedmontese? That's not some sort of euphemism. No. <laughs> No, nothing you do in a narrow pass. Um, well, with, with it, big on, the south, on the south coast, you might be a different meaning. I don't know, but it's not right. what I mean by it. No. Okay. And fine wine. So, so Napoleon's in Italy. He's beating up a country that barely existed at the time, and they were all hiding in forts. And he was an artillery captain. But this is a great achievement. Well, he's now a brigadier he's general, and and he's um he's promised people loads of stuff through a great speech that he wrote the history of afterwards. I imagine. Um, which it's now retrospective. So he's stuck in in northern Italy, um, and then the Austrians come over the ski, you know, chalets. Now the Austrians like were that. helping the Piedmontese. They had the French hemmed in in uh, the sort of northwest corner yeah. of Italy, and Napoleon managed to break out, get the knock the Piedmontese out of the war, and then drove the Austrians back. Uh, and he ran up against some major problems in about the Lake Garda area because the Austrians had this four fortresses called surprisingly the quadrilateral and unless you captured all of these you weren't going anywhere further and one of the forts mantua gave napoleon serious problems and it was besieged for months and he had to give up the siege and lose his siege guns and come back again and this all the austrians launched about three different rescue missions to try and relieve the siege and eventually napoleon saw them off at the battle of rivoli in the beginning of 1797 and uh, was then heading towards uh, so this is like about a three, it's like a three-year period in which Napoleon crept like just along the northern Italian valleys and stayed no, in the lakes. No, about one year. You know, one year, okay. To summarise, yeah. it's, it wasn't three years, it was one year. The summary is okay. France was doing really, really badly in Italy. Napoleon okay. got appointed to command in Italy and he rolled the Austrians out of Italy in under a year, which is something that nobody thought would ever happen. His job wasn't okay. to roll the Austrians out. His job was to desperately hold on. And rather okay. than desperately hold on, he rolled them out of northern Italy and advanced into Austria. It was like, just shouldn't have happened. It was it's, brilliant it's also, military stuff. He had the shittiest troops in the French army as well. Whoa. So th this was basically the army, which was just, yeah, we'll put all the dross down there. They just need to be the horde there to stop them coming. They're not expected to attack. A load of dross. That's why he has to do the motivational speaking and everything else, promising them money. And where was the good bit of the army fighting then? Um, Germany. The French. Germany. Against all these weird little German countries that weren't really countries. And they all had their own different flags and stuff. Yeah. And, and that was a bit of a wash, was that? Or was there stuff happening? Was somebody winning there? Or... Yeah, yeah, kind of went backwards and forwards. Marching and counter-marching against each other. Yeah. yeah. So, so Napoleon's taken this load of old rubbish, he's given them a good speech, he's swept them out of northern Italy, he's got to the really like nicest part of northern Italy, the lakes, all that kind of stuff. He's got some romantic castles. Is there a, a, that, that bird, that woman thing going on yet? Did he take her to these castles? What, Josephine, that's the word I'm looking Not for. Not yet, no. Not yet. Not yet, no Josephine sort of scenarios. And so he's then leaving there and going to Vienna 
Because yeah. that's so he's, always... he's become the national hero because the Austrians throw the towel in before he can get to Vienna. And so Napoleon well, is the national hero country, in France because he's caused, he's caused the Austrians to, uh, you know, give up. So he's off to Vienna, but if, you know, if that whole kind of giving up so we'll stop thing doesn't tend to happen in war, does it? Was he just like, he gave up and he took over Vienna? Did they give it away? Or no, did they, they didn't go... get as far as Vienna. The Austrians wanted an armistice before he got there. Ah, so somebody was more important than him and agreed an armistice to stop him taking yeah. Vienna. Um, yeah. He must have been a bit nasty by he's that, still, he? if he's, well, he's still uh, just Brigadier General then. He's not um, the big... I am. He's not the guy in charge. There's uh, lots of change in France before that. Then he gets massively promoted and became one of the directors, which is the three main guys in the government. And then he decides to go to um, take on the British in Egypt. As you do. Basically cut off the, <laughs> the routes to the um, uh, India. So in 1798, he set sail with about 38,000 guys. Then, was there? Pardon? It wasn't a Suez Canal then. How do you, why, was, why was Egypt a route to India? Did, did somebody not know about Turkey or something? Well, the Turks, the yeah, the, the, he was going to fight the Turks as well, but um, that wasn't going to be oh. seen as a problem. Right. Okay. <laughs> so he, so he goes from, so we've already had the British deciding to invade Toulon as a strategic thing. And then then Napoleon becomes like the third most important man in France and thinks I'm going to take an army to Egypt yeah. because I think the British are there. And, and did we, did we own it then? Like all of Egypt or was no. it just, no. we didn't own it. <laughs> we had interest in the, the uh, shipping. So we had a lot a of shipping, shipping point for supplies from British India and the spices and everything else coming out from India. Uh, to right. pass through at the Red Sea, overland, and then um, up through the, uh, through the Mediterranean. It is kind of weird, but to explain too, it's like you're a successful bloke, right? You're doing well in business. You got a few weeks off. What else are you going to do except evade Egypt? It kind <laughs> of Egypt, yeah, yeah. Was that it, kind was it, of where it goes? Because I suppose he was was he big on obelisks and stuff. There was one in yeah. Irish, he, brought a, he brought a load of scientists out with him. He had an army of about thirty eight thousand men. And about five, including 500 scientists. To, and it's basically the modern study yeah. of Egyptology yeah. started from that expedition. So he, he basically yeah. took an army to pretend uh, to take on the British, but a load of scientists, they just the nicked everything. Rosetta Stone. Right. Yeah. So, so he, he deciphered hieroglyphics as well. Well, no, but some of the scientists no, that were with him did. found the stone and the stone got nicked by the English after the Battle of the Nile. You're welcome. So that, does that mean... <laughs> so does that mean there's like a missing Napoleonic remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark in which Napoleon discovers yeah. that thing? It's, a, it's called Stargate Atlantis. I think there was it's a sketch of the Alexander the Great in all this as well. Ah, so okay. on, land, on land, Napoleon was fighting the Ottomans. He thought that they had a massive oh, battle. So he wasn't fighting the English in Egypt. I he thought was he was. Oh. Ottoman Empire. So he had the Battle of the, um, the Pyramids. The, the Pyramids. The Ottoman Empire was that was like really old, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they and they were still. He said earlier that he didn't go to Turkey because isn't no, the, the Ottoman Turks were, they were weren't important all the way all the way around the north North African coast yeah. at that point. So I think what he okay. was doing was trying to he was threatening the English. Basically, the English at this point 
this is risk, isn't it? This is risk. This, He's this, like moving moving this, armies to um, Kamchatka. This is, like, this is what this is about. This is Brexit, basically. This is what all your all your smog, all your smogs think they're fighting the Napoleonic Wars, and the Eng- right. they think the, Eng- the French think we're perfidious Albion because we're a nation of shopkeepers, as Napoleon called us, and we're trying to sort of blockade. You know, basically, Napoleon can't. Britain's paying other people to fight France, and the French are getting fed ex- up of it. Exactly, the French get fed up of the English because they decide English to attack the Ottomans everybody. to get their revenge. Yeah. Yeah, so the, but basically the French think the English are paying everybody to fight against France on their behalf because we're just we paying kind of were. We're the nation of traders and we've got the money. So we're paying the Italians, the Austrians, the Germans to fight their war against France. Napoleon's fed up with things. Like, I'll try and deal a blow to the English by doing something against India. So he goes into Egypt where he fights the Ottomans. So the Battle of the uh, Pyramids, he fights this huge mounted um, Egyptian Ottoman army. They form uh, big um, squares and defeat the Ottomans. But then his army starts to starve to death as he marches north towards Constantinople. Back to Andy. To Constantinople? So, yeah, right, so well, no, they got as far as Acre in Israel and then the, the, the British... Um, there was a British officer there who was helping to direct the siege and the British did other sneaky things like sinking his uh, siege train and so Napoleon got stalled there and ultimately failed but in the meantime uh, the French Navy had taken Napoleon's army out and they were parked in um, Abukir Bay near Alexandria where Nelson came along and won a spectacularly uh, brilliant victory sinking 13 out of 17 French ships and that kind of left Napoleon's army stuck without being able to get home. And okay, um, and it's, it's, it's amazing sailing to get into the bay because of the tides and everything else. And well, also the, the fact that we had one, one column going down the inside of the French ships, and that was an amazing bit of navigation. Yeah. No, it's a luck. It's very, very lucky because there was a there was a gap that was just lot just the right size with that tide for half the, half the British fleet. Yeah, but they were oh. trying to navigate at night while being shot at in a very narrow thing. I mean, pretty impressive. Most other navies would have got nowhere near achieving it. But okay, one so thing well, you look, might we, like about this, I think we, I think we ended, um, we ended the first week's episode on a, on a bizarre naval battle involving the Royal Navy somewhere they probably never really should have been, and I think that's probably a good point. Oh no, just finish the story. Finish the story in thirty seconds, okay? So the invasion start of Egypt starts off really well. Goes downhill, not really working. French fleet gets sunk. So Napoleon then says to his army, good luck, lads. Gets on a remaining ship, sails back to France. Yeah. Yeah. Where you think he's okay. a failure. Right? Well, Where by any stretch of the imagination, he's been a complete mess and a fuck-up, yeah. to use the French. Yeah. He goes back to France, leaving his army to starve to death, more or less. And he comes back and he gets crowned emperor instead. Well, no, he doesn't. So that's that's the mystery for next week then, how that happened. Then. So, yeah. so in, well, to recap have, this week, to recap last week you were talking, episode. Tim, last week you were talking about uh, the carry-on films. This yeah. week, remember Eric Morecambe, The Voices on the Burning Deck? No. Right. Well, The Voices on the Burning Deck is the first line of a poem about the Battle of the Nile. Okay. What, The Boy Stood on the Burning Deck picking his nose like mad? 
Well, no, it was actually the voices on the burning deck when all around had fled. Oh, okay. oh, I yeah. thought it was voices on the burning deck. He played a game of cricket. The ball went up his trouser leg and stumped his middle wicket. Oh, yeah. yeah well, I, I'm, definitely go, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely going to draw a line under this one now. Yeah. That, so is that nice and clear? Dark place. It's really nice and clear. So, so we've done the Taloon malarkey. Then Napoleon... Um, defends against a country that doesn't really exist, that lives in forts and ends up nearly attacking Austria and nearly taking Vienna. But then someone stops him doing that. He goes back home, gets promoted and celebrate getting promoted. And because he hates the British and everybody thinks that the British are paying everybody else off, he decides to attack the Ottoman Turks in Alexandria um, after his army has managed to get loads of baguettes from somewhere that's come from America. And then he goes there and for some reason sees the pyramids steals things doesn't really work out well goes home and then something really fabulous happens which we will talk about next week sounds like um jobs are good It's just, this thing's bloody complicated, isn't it? My lord. Um, haven't even got to the after we've done um, after we've done the Napoleonic piece, then um, the next section is the other great musical interlude that we're all looking forward to. Here, it is time for the magical music that heralds the start of Andy's quiz. Don't all need to do the motions, mate. You, you can all calm down now. Everybody sit down again. That was a little bit excessive. I was just, it was like watching the beginning of the Muppet show here. And everyone <laughs> thought some of you were going to fall out of the windows. It was like really rocking out to that, which is a monster thing. So, so Andy, you've got last week's questions. And, yes, um, to which some people even bothered to send in answers. And just to remind got, you, phone in answers. The quiz was location, location. And I gave you the name of a region and two years. And you had to give me the name of the battle which was which took place in those location in those years. So the first one was Eastern Europe, 1410 and 1914. Yep. Central Europe, 1632 and 1813. Leipzig. Lutzen. Yep. And North America, 1861 and 1862. It was or Bull Run. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Right, this week, the question is, is called Poet's Corner. I'm going to read you the first bit of a famous poem. And you just have to say who wrote it and what the name of the poem was. So the first one is, the Assyrian came down like the wolf on the fold. Uh, right? The second one is, the charge of the gallant 300. Got that. I'm guessing I know what it's about, but I'm not sure I know the poem. Yeah. The third one is, boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. Take me, yeah, take me back one. to your room. There yeah. came the elephants. 
Yeah. <laughs> that could be anything. Okay. Well, short and sweet this week, which yeah, um, I know that one. which which is good. That means we get um, a ratio of uh, music to questions that's really almost veering on the excessive as we um, wrap up Andy's quiz. Here we go with music again. Okay then, well that's um, that's this week nearly done. Um, uh, another slightly epic session that we're coming into it. So if I just go round um, round the windows and ask what's what's on the pile, what's what's arriving in the post, what's happening this week, Mr. Saunders. Um, first up for you, you're um, your top left at the moment. Egyptian bowman, Egyptian bowman finished. The, I mean the seven impacts infantry will be done and dusted. A couple of command bases will be done, so it's now moving on to bowman. It's okay. going to be Bowman, Bowman, Bowman for a while, I think. Pure play Egyptians. Um, Andy, you've, you've got more um, Irish? More plastic paddies, yeah, till I finish them. I need to buy some spears. So I'm not sure where to get them. What, javelins? Yeah. Let's talk I think, um, I can do that. I you might be able to do it. I think um, North Star might have some more in, and I think Antonoki's workshop have got some now as well um, that, that are back in. I've seen this week somewhere. Yeah, so okay. Some I'm just checking that. in my bag. I think I've got some spears, which are too large for anything else. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out, Andy. I might be able to do you that. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, I need a dozen. Yeah, I can't, okay. I can't promise, but I'll have a look. No, no, okay. All right. And then Adam, organized anyway. Adam, what, are you, what have you got this week? Are you um, undercoding something? I've got the... Um, oh, the, the Romans. tanks are now made that they're going to get finished painting. And... Um, some Lord of the Rings scatter terrain, dungeony Moria type stuff that um, I'm going to get painted up because I can see in my future I'm going to be going down doing D and D with children. So, sort of like dungeon scatter terrain will probably be a useful thing. That's good. Um, and Simon, what about you? Is it more just Swedes or anything else going to impinge on the painting pile? Uh, more Swedes, but I can see some more el some elephants on the table. So um, as part of the big Swedish order, I thought needed more elephants. So they had some um, Mameluk, so not, not Mameluk, some of the um, one of the Indonesian it? army lists, where you can have an uh, an elephant with a guy with a gun on top of it. Mm -hmm. awesome. So you need elephants with guns, basically. Is that a key oh, elephant? Is that a, it's QRF, a QRF, QRF one, yeah. And what are they like? Are they uh, decent figures? Yeah, they're quite nice. They um, they're not as sharp as the say like the museum, the the new Z range, the um, the classical Indians. But for an elephant that says, "I am an armored elephant with a guy with a gun on top and bow and guy with a big stick," it definitely has presence. You know, it's got full okay. chest armor. You know the um, the, the head has got armor, then the tusk have got you know, you know, pointy sticks on them as well. So it, it look like a, looks like a proper elephant. Okay, all the duvet stuff. So, so I think for me, it's, it is just, I think potentially if the weather's a bit chilly this weekend, these Hungarians could get finished. I could do a little bit of a blitz on the infantry um, because they're not too, too difficult, apart from those bowmen that I still keep poking at, Dave. And, and I think you're right from last week, they do look, I'm no idea what they're wearing and what what different bits them, what colour. Um, yeah. Very very weird figures. So I might even the get them done. I may even get them done um, by the end of this week. And um, 
and just a bit more retrofitting and, and re upcycling of some other troops to to round out that army but but that's it and then i'll be facing the the difficult decision of what to do next if not by next week but certainly by the week after i would have thought um tamsin you you said you were starting some 2000 yeah, ad people i judge dread figures uh, i've got i've once i've primed uh, judges so i've got nine foot nine judges on foot two riders and two lawmasters bikes what Those colour are you doing the judges' uniforms? That, well, that's one of the thing, things I'm debating. It's whether to go with more sort of the comic look or a more a gritty look, like, a bit like the, like the 2012 film. Good film. Yeah. Get a judge death figure. Pun? Do you get a judge death figure? Oh, yes, I've got judge death. Oh, we like judge death. The sentence. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't released the other dark, dark judges yet. The crime is life, and the sentence is death, and all that. Yes, that's what With we like. Yes, is drawn out. Yeah. Okay. We like that. Well, on that cheery note, Peter, um, <laughs> are you still oh. doing? Are you going to run out of the Austrians your own while you're waiting for them to ship from from wherever well, they're coming? Well, that's just it. I'm, I might be Austrian out while I'm waiting for Eureka to come through. So I, I might be tempted to. Um, my fallback position is uh, a bunch of Arabs, 15 mil Arabs. It's uh, sort of like what we were talking about earlier. You've <laughs> you know, not ordered them while we've been online, have you? You've just been tempted to suddenly <laughs> just uh, click, 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 and no, away you go. These are part of the lead pile that uh, I got from uh, um, uh, War and Empire when I did the uh, Kickstarter for them. So I've got yet more. Um, it's, it's to fill out my sort of like feudal period. So that period from sort of like the Normans all the way through, I, I've got enough to sort of swap out various armies. So I've got some sort of um, basically horsemen, non-impact. Um, I've got some more foot, sort of medium foot and uh, that sort of thing. And same with the sort of Normans, uh, that sort of thing. So it's, it's the ones I'd pick depending on um, what the competition's like and everything else, but I wouldn't normally have. So that's why they're in the pile of, to get around to when I've run out of other stuff. And I, and I guess for you, it's a lot easier for you to paint an Arab army than, than any of the rest of us, because you're always going to pick the, um, the Crusader ally to get as many medium knights as you can into the list. So you just need a few, a third less well, figures than the rest of us. Well, also I've got the, um, uh, the technique of a spray and white, funnily enough, again, and use those uh, contrast paints because uh, then it's nice, bright colors, nice and vibrant on, on it. So, um, they sort of paint up and look quite nice on the table uh, in the end. Um, so, you know, it might be a, a rash of doing those depending on the weather and um, uh, or I get uh, a couple of games in with my son instead. That's true, yeah, because this, this week is, is online tabletop simulator week then as well, isn't it? Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, on, on that note, um, um, unless anybody's got any, any other business um, to, to chip in, any other thoughts this week? I think it's time to to wrap up at just a shade over two hours this time um i think we're recording this monday night the last podcast came out on on friday about tea time and we're already at well over 100 listens for that one um some of the older ones are now up to 200 so there's certainly people listening to this thank you for surviving yet another one and thank we you to will our carry fans on. for listening yeah thanks to all our fans for listening cheers. and um we will, we will say goodbye again. cheers thanks. goodbye goodbye i might be stretching it yeah okay yeah okay for all our listeners for listening then <laughs> yeah, Andy's getting end. fan mail <laughs> yeah true Andy's oh, getting it's fan all mail. shared I'll tell you all about it you know
Right. Okay. We'll all be done. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Computer doesn't have the minimum requirements without a green screen. But let's, let's see what. Fine, you're done then. And, we'll, we'll uh, live with you as the Klingon. Uh, yeah, I'd be called Bye. worse. <laughs>